0: This is Decision Point, Age into New Norms, a long-term care podcast from Horn Healthcare.
1: Even before the pandemic, social isolation, meaning having very little actual in-person interactions with others, was considered detrimental and a serious health risk to senior citizens. There is evidence that these factors significantly increase a person's risk of mortality from all causes, potentially rivaling the risk of smoking, obesity, and high blood pressure. Social isolation and loneliness are also associated with higher rates of clinically significant depression and anxiety. Isolation and loneliness are also associated with a 50% increased risk of developing dementia, a 32% increased risk of stroke, and nearly a four-fold increase risk of death among heart failure patients. Lockdown measures due to COVID-19 appear to be exacerbating this health crisis in long-term care facilities. Those in the long-term care industry have definitely experienced an increase in depression, anxiety, frustration, and irritability in their residents since COVID-19. There also appears to be an increase in dementia-related behaviors. A significant percentage of long-term care residents, at least half, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, are already suffering from a dementia diagnosis of some kind. Although this increase is not a surprise to the management of long-term care facilities, it is certainly a concern. The anxiety, frustration, and even depression spills over to the outside family members of the long-term care facility residents. The inability to readily visit with the residents and tend to their needs leads to the COVID isolation condition. Not being able to give a simple hug to a loved one is extremely painful for both parties. Owners and operators of long-term care facilities are very much aware of the extra stress brought to their facilities by all the various ramifications of the COVID pandemic. Today, you will hear two stories from family caregivers. These stories may be helpful to management teams and long-term care facilities because it allows you to hear firsthand with a bit of separation from the situation and thus perhaps gaining a different perspective on how to address some of these issues. Our first guest is Patty Lewis. Patty is a teacher, wife, Mom and caregiver to her mother who resides in a long-term care facility. Patty's mother suffers from dementia and has been in a long-term care facility for two and a half years. Before that, Patty cared for her mother at home and continues to take a very active approach to stay connected, not only to her mother, but with the employees at the long-term care facility where her mother resides. Welcome to our podcast, Patty.
2: Thank you, Barry. I'm honored to be your guest.
1: Let's start with explaining to our listeners what your mom's current situation is. What type of long-term care facility is she in and what's her current condition?
2: My mom uh, is a dementia patient and resides in a rehab and long-term care facility. Due to the effects of COVID, she is currently suffering a progression of dementia with hearing and mobility loss.
1: Was she in the facility prior to COVID?
2: Yes, she was.
1: What has been the biggest impact that COVID has made with you and other family members and the relationship with your mom?
2: The biggest impact has been separation, feeling of depression on both sides and guilt on my end that I can't get to her and help with her care. I went from full hands-on care to no care at all. The lack of touch and presence from family members has been the hardest on us all.
1: How do you think this separation has affected her?
2: It has progressed her dementia and brought on a stronger and deeper level of depression that has required more medication and the desire to leave more than usual.
1: To leave the facility more?
2: Yes, she wants out every time um, I speak with her. Luckily, our facility is very good about allowing her to use the phone and allowing, allowing FaceTime phone calls. So we are allowed to at least see and hold communication. Due to the loss of uh, hearing from COVID, that has made it more difficult for our communication. So there's less of that even.
1: In an earlier conversation that you and I had, you mentioned a compassion coordinator at the facility. Is that a real role or job description or just a title you gave a particular employee?
2: The director at our facility is amazing and wears many hats. Compassion is one of the things that she offers to her residents. She reached out as a decline from my mom and offered a compassion visit. Due to the decline from the COVID, um, with her hearing loss and with her mobility loss, they are allowed compassion visits due to decline. I was contacted by our director. Uh, so I gave her that, that label of compassion coordinator, I suppose, just because of her amazing compassion. She did allow us, uh, um, more than one visit, which we were very thankful for, uh, which I truly believe helped my mom recover, uh, a little bit with her hearing and her mobility.
1: I got you, and what else does this person do in that role?
2: As a compassion coordinator, she reaches out weekly and um, keeps all of the resident families updated on the current state of COVID and what the rules are within their facility. When there are no COVID cases, we are allowed a face-to-face visit with PPE and with masks, um, of course, with our social distance outside. Um, so she, con- she makes contact with family members and schedules those opportunities. Even as the director of our facility, she-, she goes the extra mile and does those things.
1: Awesome. Well, Patty, thank you for sharing your story about you and your mom and your family. And thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you for inviting me. It's been fun and I hope what I share benefits not only the long-term care community, but the residents themselves.
1: Up next is an interview with Kathy Watts, who shares an emotional story after recently having lost her father due to COVID. Kathy is the managing partner of Horn Healthcare and is most widely known for her career as a financial consultant and strategist for physicians and medical practices. Outside of her professional accomplishments, Kathy is a mom and a wife, a caregiver not only to them but to her parents. Today we hear from Kathy from the perspective of being the daughter of parents living in an assisted living facility amidst the pandemic. Kathy, will you tell us briefly about your parents' transition into a long-term care facility?
0: Okay, thank you, Barry. I'll be glad to uh, my parents uh, were living back behind us in a separate guest house. They had lived back behind us for about five years, and my mother had started deteriorating and my dad had started following, and he was just somewhat worn out from taking care of her, even though that setup of being on our property and, and being somewhat independent, but also being close by was working well for us for a long time. It had gotten to the point where I felt like they needed extra help. So we reached out to the local assisted living facility here and um, and we had to talk about it um, two or three times. It took probably nine months or so to try to get them on board of exploring another option. And so it took a while for us to get there. And of course we had to wait for an available space that was big enough for a couple And once that did, we moved them back in January of 2020.
1: Well, when you did that, were they both um, very sociable and alert prior to COVID?
0: Yes, they were. Now, my mother was not very mobile. Um, She was, I I call it being chair ridden rather than bed ridden. Um, She could get up limitedly out of a lift chair, but she was very sociable. Um, My dad was still driving at the time, going to the store every day. Um, going, even had given he had stopped going to church, um, but had been going to church during that five-year period. But yes, they were very social and uh, very alert as to what was going on. Um, and, you know, that was not a problem at all.
1: Well, once the pandemic set in, what kind of access did you have to your parents and them to you?
0: Well, they were about in that um, assisted living for about two months before the shutdown occurred. And so then at that point, the is living, made the right decision to limit access into the facility, um, which at first it didn't seem like it was going to be for very long. So it didn't seem bad at the beginning of it. And of course, everybody was shut down at that time. I mean, I think everybody was very limited in, into their comings and goings. So not being able to see them and just talking to them by phone. And we did FaceTime them some. My parents never quite mastered FaceTiming. Uh, but we've tried that a few times. Um, my, my, their grandchildren, my children and my nephew would call quite a bit, uh, so they had lots of phone calls. But after the shutdown, kind of the severe shutdown uh, got over with, um, we started visiting them at the window. And so we would, of course it was warm, it wasn't cold like it is now. Um, and so we would go to their window and they would open the window and we would, we would talk to them through the window. That's been our main mode of communication outside of the phone. And now that it's gotten cold up here in Tennessee, um, we've had to maybe talk by phone, but be looking at at each other through the window.
1: That works. Well, how do you think your parents at that time were adjusting to this sense of separation? Was there a feeling of isolation on their part? or your part?
0: Yeah, I think there has been at different times for each one of us, it affected us differently. I will say this, going into assisted living from living back behind us, it opened up my mother's world. Um, She had been living back behind us for about five years and not being able to go outside except maybe to get her hair done, which was very important, of course. Um, Outside of that, she wasn't seeing anybody but family. So when we moved her to assisted living, all of a sudden her world got bigger. And so she had more people to talk to. And so she really was thriving socially. On the flip side though, I would say my father's world shrunk because he was no longer driving and running up to church for this or running to the store for that. And so his world got smaller. And I would say overall, it affected him the most. He never quite embraced being in isolation at assisted living. Um, he. he the, the depression or the, the low moments, the, the low moods were more evident in him than in my mother. Now, as far as it goes for the family, you know, it's kind of hard. You didn't know the last time you hugged them might be the last time you were going to hug them, you know, to physically touch them. And um, my mother's love language is physical touch. So I know that's a very big deal for her. And so I think part of it was the surprise of when we started this shutdown, not realizing how long it was gonna last and what kind of effect it was gonna have on our relationship with our loved ones.
1: Well, I understand that your father had to be hospitalized and subsequently died. Were you and other family members able to be with him?
0: So when they they took him to the hospital the day after Christmas, he tested positive for COVID on Christmas day. My mother had had it the week earlier. Um, they ran him to the hospital for the antibody infusion and brought him right back. Then when he took a term for the worse a few days later, it was in January, um, when they took him to the hospital, I'll be honest with you, I almost ran over there to see him as they were putting him in the ambulance. And that is probably one decision that I regret because I did not, I was in the middle of working, didn't expect then to be taken to the hospital and I wasn't sure I could get over there in time, but if I could go back in time, I would probably go back there and and talk to him. Um, So I could have probably seen, have seen him, but I would have been exposed to COVID if I did that too, and I've not had it. So he went to the hospital, but we did not realize that he would not be coming home. However, as things got worse over that week, he was in the hospital for a week. Um, The day he died, the hospital did allow any family member or a limited number, of course, go to the hospital and see him on the COVID floor. So I was able to do that. My husband and I went over there. My husband actually went twice. I went once and um, they suited us up appropriately. And um, we got to talk to him and I got to hold his hand. And so, you know, that was very important to be able to see him, even though it was hard. I'm glad I got to see him. I will say this though, um, the caregivers at the hospital, having seen the COVID floor up close and personal and having dealt with a loved one being in the hospital away from you, where you can't go be with them and go walk across the hall to talk to the nurse and get an update. You had to kind of wait for the updates to come to you by phone. But the nursing staff at the hospital was tremendous. Um, I don't know how they carry the emotional load that they have to carry being that liaison between the patient and the family. Um, but they, they did the best job they could. I have applauded them because I know it's a hard job. Um, they actually FaceTimed us, timed us three or four times. Um, Daddy had his phone with him in the hospital um, and so we were able to to talk to him and then it got to the point where he was not making any phone calls or answering any phone calls and that's when it got really hard. Um, and so I appreciate the FaceTime calls that the nurses helped us achieve and I do think it made a difference. I think, I think the three times that we FaceTimed him, they said he was better for a little while after that. I do think that not being able to be encouraged by your loved ones in a dire state does affect your mental capacity for sure.
1: Well, knowing what you've experienced and understanding the tremendous constraints that long-term care facilities have now, how could this whole experience, which you've experienced from beginning to end literally, have been less emotionally unsettling?
0: You know, that's a really hard question to answer. I'll do the best job I can. Um, I will say that I feel like the assisted living facility where we were, were they were putting the patients, the, the, the uh, residents first, and I appreciate that. Um, I, they kept COVID out of that facility up until Christmas, which is amazing. They did not have one case in there. And so I do think what they had done internally to try to keep them socially active, um, letting us try to talk to them through the windows, all of those things. I think they did the best job they can. Um, looking back on it, I think we just have to learn from each learn from each other. I know when it, come, when it came time to talk about my dad's funeral, I was able to learn what another family had recently done in our community on how to have a safe funeral. So I think we can learn from one another. Um, and, you know, I do think um, doing the best job you can to stay as connected as possible, whether it be by FaceTime or, you know, talking to them through the window. It's I can tell you they looked forward to those calls and visits more than we could probably ever imagine.
1: Thank you so much, Kathy. I know that wasn't an easy conversation to have. And I think just sharing your experience is not only going to be helpful to other caregivers, it's going to be helpful for those who are trying to do the best job they can while running long-term care facilities during this difficult time. Thanks a lot.
0: Thank you. Up next, Love from Afar, Part Two The Psychology of Loneliness. Listen to learn about the psychological pathways of how your mind and body function and how certain interventions can combat loneliness. Thank you for listening to Decision Point Age into New Norms, a podcast from Horn Healthcare. Decision Point is produced by Horn LLP. Stay tuned for more episodes coming soon on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, and Spotify. To learn more about Horn, visit hornllp.com.